Our scripture reading today is from 2 Chronicles. It's one verse long. It's chapter 7, verse 14. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive them of their sins and I will heal their land. Lord God, would you just be with us right now? Would you speak to your children? Uh, We need to hear from you, Lord. So would you open us up to receive what you have for us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Guys upstairs, would you mind putting this just all the way up? I'd just like to have them stare at the cross instead. (laughs) I mean, the slide is nice. I made it, but if you get distracted by the cross, go ahead. Okay, so I just kind of like it that way myself. Thank you. So we are starting into a new sermon series this week. It's kind of uh, kind of big picture over the whole course of the summer. There's several sermon series. In my mind, it's kind of framed as like a back to the basics. Uh, kind of set of series. So, so this one is on prayer, uh, and it's on the power of prayer and kind of how we pray. It's a big part of who we are as God's people is how we enter into prayer. Uh, but, you know, there's some things in our lives, I'm not going to make you name them, but there's some things in our lives that will only change with prayer. You ever think about that? I mean, that, that's true. I think we intellectually agree that, that, yes, there's some things in our life that will only change in prayer. But if we believe it, and if it's deep inside of us, I think we might pray a little different. I think we might interact different in our prayer life with God. I think we might pray deeper for those that we love. We might pray more often uh, for those around us. Our prayers would reflect this if it truly sad inside of us that there are some things in life that will only change with prayer. What would that look like as you were to pray for your neighbors? What would it look like as you were to lift up your community in prayer? I think think we would constantly be people, constantly people that would just cry out, God, please help. Please help with what is going on in my life. Please help with what I'm seeing in other people's life. Lord, we need you. So as we enter into this sermon series, this is, this is the heart that we are entering in with. It's the heart that says that if we truly, truly focused and we looked uh, at what we believe and, and it reflected in our own lives, that we would probably pray differently. It would probably look different as a pattern of behavior in our own lives. So the focus here is, the sermon series is called Start With Prayer. And the reason it's Start With Prayer is because whatever is going on in your life, whatever you've come across, whatever, whatever thing, whatever challenge you've met, step number one is prayer. That, that's, that's the Christian life. That's what we're called to. So, so when times are hard, start with prayer. 
when relationships are difficult and strained, step number one, start with prayer. When the diagnosis is poor, start with prayer. When the realities of life are overwhelming, start with prayer. When it feels like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and it is crushing you and and you're about to uh, just collapse under all that pressure, start with prayer. I think the most simple definition of prayer is just talking to God. And and here's, uh, hopefully it's not a shock to you. This, this activity is not just reserved for super Christians. This is not just like a, like a pastor activity, or you know that one person at your church that you're like, yeah, they pray. Uh, this is not just a super Christian thing. This is a calling that we all have, and, and it's just simply talking to God, being in relationship with God. Uh, what does it mean uh, to enter that? It means both listening and talking. I think sometimes we can get really good at talking to God and, and not listening. But, but we talk to God, we, we communicate with Him, and then we pause. And then we see if God is saying anything. And, and maybe, maybe you've heard a voice before, but I think many of us haven't. But, but there's, there's feelings that come, there's comfort that comes, and that's God communicating to us. But I believe we're called to each pray daily. So that's kind of the focus of this first sermon in this series, is that prayer is something that is supposed to be done every day. It's supposed to be a consistent thing. It's not, it's not a one-off event when life is really hard that we pray once, and then, then we wait eight months, and then we finally say, oh yeah, God did answer that prayer. Okay, thank you, God. Uh, there, that's the second prayer. And then we kind of wait till the next uh, big, big issue going on in, in our lives or in a loved one, and then we finally lift up to God in prayer again. Uh, if we did that in any other relationship, how strong would that relationship be? Right? If, if you only called, you said, this person is my best friend. I love them. I, I cherish them. I call them once every eight months, and I just ask them for things. <laughs> and then when they, when they want to speak, then, then I, I hang up the phone. I don't, I don't listen either. So I call them every eight months, and, and something tragic has happened. And, or or maybe, maybe that car in front of me is doing weird things on the highway, you know, whatever's going on. Uh, and I call him up and I say, you know, Lord, please help me right now. Uh, and, and, and he does. And then we just pause. Let's put that relationship on hold. Um, God is not a genie. I think that, I mean, I say it as a kind of a funny thing, but it, it hits true, doesn't it? You're not, you're not rubbing some magic lamp and saying, okay, here's your three wishes. What do you want? We, we can't manipulate God in that way. That's, that's not what this is. This isn't some magic. We don't say certain words. That's what magic is. You say certain words, uh, and it makes some kind of incantation, and then, and then those words have power that force uh, whatever spirit or whatever you kind of believe in to, to do something. That, that's kind of the definition of magic. That's not what's going on. We don't pray in a certain way, and, and God says, okay, that prayer was nice, or that prayer was long enough, or or it was in a certain kind of language, and all of a sudden now, now God is forced to act in your life. This is a relationship that we're talking about. This is a deep relationship. So we need, we need to be fostering that. We need to be in prayer daily. 
How many of you have a cell phone? There's like five hands. Come on. You all don't have cell phones? I mean, I know I moved to the mountains, but come on, people. You don't have phones? Okay, you have phones, right? Yes, thank you. You can do a lot of things on them, right? You, you can call someone in the other side of the world. You can connect with them. You can search the internet for all kinds of data, all kinds of information. It's just right there at the click of your finger. You can connect uh, with anyone, anyone in the outside world. You know, you can, you can be in your own house and anyone out there, you're, you're able to connect with them. What an amazing thing. How helpful is it if you don't have a power source? Right? I mean, it's a bad paperweight. That's it. That's it. I mean, like when we lose power, and at our house we don't have a generator, so when we lose power, we got these little battery backups, and they got the little solar power, and, and all of a sudden the value of a tiny bit of electricity goes way up in my life, right? Because it connects me to my phone, and then my phone connects me to the world. And if I don't have it, it feels, it feels weird inside. How often do you plug in your phone? Every night. I heard someone say every night. I think every night's pretty fair. Why? Here's the reason. Because you will not make it through the next day if you're not constantly plugged into this power source. If your phone does not continue on a regular basis to connect with the power source, it will not make it through the next day. And what does that mean for our prayer lives? What does that mean when we don't connect to our power source, when we don't connect to God? Are you going to make it through the next day? What you do out in the world, is it going to have any value? Or is it going to be like, like a paperweight phone? And then, and then it just kind of suffer along. And then eventually you connect to the power source. You get just enough. But this is the call. We are to connect daily with God, to, to pray with Him, to be with Him. James 5, verse 16. It says, The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. That's a beautiful promise. Now note, it does not say the prayers of a perfect person. So if you heard me say the prayers of a perfect person, that's not what it says. The prayers of a righteous person, someone who has been made right with God. A sinner who has turned back to God and has has received uh, the uh, saving work of Jesus on the cross, that person... It says right in Scripture that their prayers are powerful and effective. I think sometimes we don't pray because we really don't believe in it. That's kind of harsh to say in a church. But, but I think there's, there's sometimes where maybe we've prayed and something hasn't happened. Uh, or maybe we've had a history of times where you feel like you've, you've reached out to God and you've cried out to God and then, then, then the bad things still happen. Uh, the sickness still uh, took the person you love, and, and the suffering still continued. But Scripture tells us that the prayers of a righteous person, they're not useless. Don't be fooled into thinking that this is a useless thing. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful, and they are effective, and something will only change with prayer. 
James 5.17. This is one of my favorite Bible verses in, in all of Scripture. It talks about Elijah. So Elijah is a prophet in the Old Testament. If you want to read more about him, it's first, he's in 1 Kings. He does mighty, mighty, mighty things. Right, Elijah is great. But, but in James, it references Elijah. Elijah 5, verse 17. It says, Elijah, or James 5, 17. Elijah was a human being, just like us. This person that did these mighty, mighty works. Elijah was a human being, just like us. That is good news for me. I don't know if that's good news for you. Elijah was a human being just like us, and it continues. It says, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Don't, don't be praying that. He, he did it for a reason, okay? Don't just start praying, it won't rain. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. And he was just like us. He was like you. And he was like me. He was just a human being. He wasn't this super person that had this other connection. Elijah was a human being just like us, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three and a half years. I find that to be such good news. Not the rain part, but the human being part. He's like you and me. It wasn't different than that. It wasn't like they had a different connection or a different God or a different relationship. But he prayed. And the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and they are effective. So our verse for today, uh, what I read earlier, Second Chronicles 7.14 kind of outlines a few things here. I'm going to kind of focus on this the rest of the time. So it doesn't just say uh, pray. It, it says a few things before that. You kind of get your heart right. And then when you pray, here, here's what the promise is. So again, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name, that's you and me, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then, here's the promise, then I will hear them from heaven, and I will forgive them of their sins, and I will heal their land. I want that second part. I think you want that second part. right? We want that promise that God will hear us from heaven. Have you thought of how amazing that is? That you sit in your room alone at night, and, and you pray, and God hears you. That alone is incredible. But he hears you from heaven. He doesn't just hear you. He says he will forgive your sins. And he will heal your land. But step number one, it says, if my people will humble themselves. If you're taking notes, one, humble yourself. What does it mean to humble yourself before God? I think a lot of us walk around like we have a crown on our head. We walk around like we're the kings and queens of our own little lives. And, and, and then sometimes we go to God in the same way. I know I used to especially. Uh, I, I think of myself as, as a high schooler and even younger. And we would pray in church. And I remember 
asking my dad, I said, why do I have to bow my head? I just want to look up. God's up there. I don't think I was being evil or anything, but there's an extent to where we are called to humble ourselves before God, to take that crown off of our own heads, lay it down at his feet. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Step number one, quit trying to lift yourself up and start bowing down. And you'll be amazed what God will do. Number two, it says we are supposed to seek after God's face. Have you ever lost your keys? I'm not going to make you raise your hands. We've all lost our keys, right? Let me ask you this. When you lost your keys, did you just go on with your life like it was normal? Or did you do something? We started looking, right? And you turned over every pillow in the house. Mine always fall out of my pocket. There, I generally know where it is because it's this one couch. It's a little more tip, and they like to fall out there. But if they're not there, I start to panic a little bit. So, so you turn over every pillow. You start looking in every place it could be. You, you take things that are in one spot, and you move them to another spot so you can see if they're there. You don't leave your house until you find your keys. You stay there until they are found. Now, if you've lost your keys, you know what it's like to seek, not to just look. It doesn't say look for God in your prayer life. It says seek after Him. Move things. Flip over every pillow. Don't leave the house until you're done seeking, kind of seeking. Number three, this is not the most popular. It says, turn from your wicked ways. There's an implication here. The implication is that you have wicked ways. It's not a, it's not a surely not me God kind of, kind of statement here. It's, the, it's that there's something that is between you and God, something that is uh, in your own life that is preventing this relationship from being deeper, and you are called to turn away from it. The, the big Christian word that we use in the church is called repentance. And repentance is this nice word, but it really has a very simple meaning. It means you're walking in one direction, and repentance simply means to turn around. So there's somewhere in your life that you are walking in a direction. Maybe it's not everything, but maybe there's one area that you are walking, and if you're honest, God and God's will is somewhere behind you. It's somewhere back there, and God is calling you. He says, he says before you come and pray with me, you were called to turn around. Now the amazing part is, is, it doesn't matter how long we've been walking. When we turn around, he will be right there. We might feel like we've been walking for miles and miles and miles. And sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking, well, if I turn around, I have a long journey home. But we know from the prodigal son story that, that when the son returns, the father runs to him and wraps his arms around him. That is the promise that we have, but but it doesn't mean that we don't have to turn. So, so step three, turn from your wicked ways. And then the final one. Not another step, but it's the promise you receive that if you do these things, if you humble yourself, if you truly seek after Him, if you turn from your wicked ways, it says this, 
I will hear you from heaven. That is good news. I will hear you from heaven. I will forgive your sins and I will restore your land. There's another translation that says, I will heal your land. God says, if you do these things, if you turn to me in prayer and you're, you're in relationship with me, I will hear you and I will heal you. I will hear you and I will heal you. I want that every day. I don't want that every eight months when, when something bad's happening or, or every few months when, when all of a sudden there's that car and there's, there's that moment of panic and you cry out to God. That's not, that's not the only time I want this. God says, I will hear you. And I will heal you, and I will heal those around you. Now I'm going to make you put the screen back down because I do have some images I want to show. <laughs> no, no, I'm making it so hard up there. So the first image you'll see, and you'll see it in just a second. It's a famous statue uh, in New York, and it's the statue of Atlas. And Atlas is outside of Rockefeller Center. Uh, and, and how Atlas works, it's, it's, uh, he's right in the busyness of, of New York City. He's right in the center of, of this busy world. And, and Atlas is from Greek mythology. Um, and he's a titan. And he was responsible for waging war against the Greek gods. And, and because he was the ruler of the army, when they lost, when the titans lost, then, then Zeus and the other gods punished him by making him hold uh, the world, or actually kind of held the heavens away from the earth is kind of how it goes. Uh, I was a history major in college. I don't know if I've mentioned this much, but, but I really love this stuff. So if you don't, bear with me. Uh, but there's Atlas. And I think Atlas is a beautiful statue, and I think uh, on all days, but there's something about Father's Day to me and when I look at that, that statue of a man struggling under the weight of the world, there's something in this last year that I, I've seen this many times. I've seen it in person, and, and it's beautiful in its own right. It's beautiful as far as art. Uh, but there's something that stands out this year to me about this person, year after year, time after time, just holding up the weight struggling under it, and it's a weight that Atlas, even in the mythology, Atlas was not designed to carry. Atlas was, was someone else. He was, he was a warrior. He was supposed to do that kind of stuff, and his punishment is that he needs to hold the weight of the world. But did you know that Atlas is actually facing something? You always see this, this direction, right? You see him face on, and you see his face, but, but he's looking across Fifth Avenue. And on the other side of Fifth Avenue, if you show the next photo, this is what Atlas is facing. Think of that photo. He's facing St. Patrick's Cathedral. Beautiful, beautiful building. And he's got quite the view, but he's staring at a church. And it's like he doesn't know what's inside.
is this statue. It's actually depicted as being a, a boy Jesus. It's like a first grade Jesus. I heard someone say once that this is like a juice box drinking, you know, mac and cheese eating kind of Jesus here, right? And he's sitting there. And, and he, has his, he has his hand up blasting, but what's in his other hand? And, and, and if you were to zoom in, which you can't hear, there's continents on that ball. That is the weight of the world. And a little boy Jesus is effortlessly holding it in one hand. Isn't that just something else? There's this little boy, and, and Atlas is there, and he's holding the weight, and he's staring at it, and it's directly across the street is a Jesus. Not even a big, mighty one. A little boy Jesus, and he's just effortlessly holding. And it breaks my heart, because I think Atlas is like so many of us. We don't know that it wasn't ours to hold. That, that if we humble ourselves, and if we pray, and if we come before God, that that we have a deeper calling, that we can take that weight and we can hand it off to one that is so much more capable, that is so much more able, but yet day after day, many of us stand out in the snow and in the rain and we hold that weight and we think it's ours. So that's my prayer for each of us this morning, that as we enter this series uh, really in prayer, that, that we do so in a way that that will allow us to take some of that weight and, and just, just give it to Him. And, and He's there. And there's just something about that statue, of just that little, that little Jesus, just effortlessly. I mean, He almost looks like He could kind of toss it. There's, there's no weight there for Him. But Atlas, who is mighty and strong and full of muscles, is being crushed.